0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. It's SEC title week. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, it's going to be one of those weeks on Go 24-7 that you're not going to want to miss as LSU set to take on Georgia this Saturday in the SEC title game. Shea, there was a lot of buildup throughout the year for games like Alabama or Texas or even Texas A&M. But now this is kind of where LSU finally gets to make its, its final statement to the College Football Playoff Committee and, and really make a statement and move, move to number one, potentially heading into the College Football Playoff.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a huge week for, uh, for LSU football in terms of kind of the future, where they're going. Obviously, getting to 12-0 and 0 is big, but um, so much talk this week. We heard Ed Orgeron and Burrow, and the players asked, um, you know, do you think that even if you lose, you're in? People are saying that you're a lock to make the playoffs. Uh, you're number one or two now. You won't drop below four, uh, and they didn't want to hear it, and I'm, I'm with them, right? Like, we can't bank on the committee Uh, riding LSU even with a loss. So uh, LSU needs to win this game. Uh, The first time in Atlanta since 2011 when they played Georgia, obviously, and and won big in that game. Uh, But they've never been to the college football playoffs. So, uh, Billy, this is their shot. Win this weekend, and not only are you a lock, but uh, you're the one or two seed.
1: Yeah, and and coming off of two dominant wins over Arkansas and Texas A&M, we'll find out on Tuesday night where LSU falls in the college football playoff ranking. I don't necessarily think it'll be enough to to bump them up but I mean the, the defense made their case for being that that dominant defense that I think going into the season we thought that they could certainly be with all the NFL talent that they have and, and now we'll find out what the committee really thinks about LSU after you know, both LSU and Ohio State putting on dominant wins. I thought LSU's in a way was was more dominant. Ohio State kind of let Michigan hang around before pulling away and and really kind of closing the door.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought that the pretty evident, and and the players talked about it after, even Orgeron said, um, look, if if everybody was, and he didn't come out and say it, he was asked, but if people were knocking LSU, and by people I mean the committee, were knocking LSU for defense, then what does last weekend show you? And obviously they shut down an A&M team that has scored points on good defenses this year. Uh, they weren't really able to do anything in the first half at all. They broke off a big play in the second half and, uh, and got on the board with seven points, but it ended there. And look, I know people are going to say, well, who is A&M? You know, a and not any good. Well, then who is Penn State or who are any of Wisconsin? Who are these other teams? Uh, if you're kind of judging it by that metric, then really unless you're playing Bama or Auburn, who's proven to be good, and, and certainly Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, um, even into Oklahoma, those are the only good teams out there then uh, if you're kind of judging based off of how everybody finished up. So I think LSU's got a chance, right, Billy? We'll, we'll see what things look like Tuesday night. I'm not sure if they jump them now, but if LSU wins this weekend, I don't understand why you wouldn't put them ahead of Ohio State. And, and maybe the bigger point would be that if you're looking at resume and who's the most deserving, going 13-0 and winning the SEC and Uh, Playing a non-conference game early on against a Texas team that wasn't beat up at the time uh, and and certainly hadn't gone off the rails, I don't see how you can make a case that Ohio State or Clemson's been better.
1: Yeah, and with Minnesota losing to Wisconsin this weekend, too, that kind of takes some of the, I think, prestige out of beating them in in the Big Big Ten title game if you're Ohio State. Meanwhile, LSU's going to have that matchup with Georgia, which... Top four team, they clearly think right now that they're the second best team in, in the SEC behind LSU. And look, the spread opened up at six and a half, but a lot of money coming in on the Tigers to win big has moved it up to seven and a half. I, I think that's right. And LSU was 15-point favorites over Texas A&M and blew them out. And I don't think Georgia's going to allow LSU to blow them out, but I think this is a game where LSU is rightfully heavily favored in.
0: Well, I'm, I'm with you completely. Look, we, I can simplify it. And again, like you said, it's up to seven and a half now. That means a whole point. A lot of money's come in on LSU. Um, Brody Miller with The Athletic, I think, had put out a, something he had seen where 90% of the money over the first 24 hours had gone in on LSU, explains the shift in points. Uh, the over-unders actually dropped, right, from I think it was 56. Now it's down to almost 54. Um, so it sounds like they're not expecting a, a huge shootout. We've seen a lot of over-unders for LSU that have been bigger than that. Um, But I can, the most simple form of it all, and and Joe Burrow said, look, don't try to take a lot out of last year's game um, because this LSU team, yes, is different, but so is Georgia. And he said defensively, uh, they're better and they've got, you know, a lot of new faces and new positions. So I do think that it'll be a really good game, um, but I don't think you have to worry about LSU coming out tight uh, and put it, when you kind of look at what Georgia's done this year, Billy, they've gone, what? No team has scored more than 20 points on them all year. Um, But in the one game that a team scored 20, South Carolina, Georgia lost. And and LSU's not getting held under 20 points. So uh, I think that the theme you'll see throughout the week is that a tight first half. But unless Jake Fromm and and the Georgia offense can open things up, uh, then can they keep pace with LSU? And, And if not, then most expect that, like with Auburn or Florida or um, some of these other games that LSU's pulled away in the second half and and distanced themselves.
1: Yeah, so I I think for Georgia and it's kind of funny I, I I saw this this morning before we recorded I forget which Georgia player said it but they said somebody effective they haven't seen us yet and for a and he's talking about the Georgia offense for an offense that Kirby Smart earlier this this fall or la- late last month said. I don't think we need an elite offense to, to win in the SEC. It was kind of almost like he was pandering to the college football playoff committee a little bit. I just thought it was a little bizarre for him to say that we know I, that Georgia, I don't think, has lived up to some of the offensive production that it could have had this year with guys like Kager and Pitt, Pickens and, and DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm returning for another year and that great offensive line. And I just don't see Georgia being able to keep up with them offensively.
0: No, I mean, my, my early inclination tells me not. And I remember I'd have to look at the stat now, but it's not going to be far off because I saw this mid season um, that in games where Jake has thrown more than 30 passes, Georgia was like, zero and four, Oh, and five. And that would be probably the bulk of his losses. He hasn't lost a ton in college. So, you know, the game plan, it's run the football, try to play clock control, short passes. Um, people, you know, uh, poke fun at, at Georgia and say that the only thing Jake Fromm likes more than a short pass is a shorter pass. And the reality of that is they're going to uh, try to not turn the ball over and, and really buckle in on their defense. And for LSU fans, it sounds like I'm describing the Tigers the past 10 years. And it seems to me that LSU didn't reinvent the wheel with the offense. They just finally moved to an RPO spread attack that the likes of Bama and OU and Ohio State and Clemson uh, have been doing for a while. And when you've got this kind of talent uh, you show what the results can be, and Georgia seems to be one of the last really elite teams holding on to the idea of a pro-style offense and, uh, and not working pure kind of spread RPO attack. Um, and because of that, I kind of have a – I'm a Georgia fan. I have a little bit of worry of can, can we rely just on special teams and defense, and uh, if it comes to it, are we even able to score uh, at the pace like LSU can?
1: Yeah, and, and look, Georgia's going to be without George Pickens, one of their star wide receivers, for a half after he was ejected for fighting in the Georgia Tech game. Kind of just a, when when I watched it live, just really a silly, silly thing for, for Pickens to do and get into that situation with actually uh, another uh, a Louisiana native and Trey Swilling there, and and, and so he's going to miss the first half. You've got Lawrence Kager who's out for the rest of the year, and then DeAndre Swift is banged up as well with that shoulder contusion and and Kirby Smart on on I believe Sunday said he's just right now hopeful that DeAndre Swift can play. I was on the SEC coaches teleconference uh, with with Ed O'Gron and Kirby Smart and Kirby was actually asked about kind of how uh on Johnson the Auburn running back who had a shoulder injury going into the SEC title game against Georgia a few years back was banged up and if it was kind of similar deal where those shoulder injuries as a running back, those can be really tough to handle uh, throughout the course of a game.
0: Yeah, and it seems like Kirby has gone kind of back and forth of what the maybe true prognosis or outlook is for the weekend. Um, but look, I mean, let's just be real with it. If George is not at full strength uh, in their run game, how good can they really be? And I noted that kind of stat on uh, on Jake Fromm, but Swift's been so good. If, if you're kind of, whether you're not playing, obviously, then it's not even worth discussing. But even when you're banged up, if you're a 200 carry guy who's been uh, putting up big numbers, I mean, 1,200 yards, seven TDs—that's um, right at 100 yards a game. I mean, he's kind of in that Clyde edwards layer range of of what they want to do with him. Uh, and behind him, look—I know you've got a, a senior, and and you've got some other guys that can play, but they need Swift in this one. And and if they want to be who they are, he's got to be completely healthy and. Midweek, uh, I think you kind of wonder um, right now is that actually going to be the case or is, is he going to be kind of uh, hobbled to the extent where they have to test out some of these other guys? And I know that's not what Kirby Smart wants to do in a situation like this.
1: Yeah. So the Georgia offense might be limited a little bit without some of their star players uh, in the mix for them. On the defensive side for, for LSU, we're going to touch on some of uh, the positives that are coming out of of the game against Texas A&M where they really dominated start to finish outside of one touchdown drive. And we're going to touch on that and kind of where things stand for the Tigers heading into this game on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you
0: by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage
1: match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's the last day For our Cyber Monday deal, 75% off annual subscriptions for new subscribers to Go 24 7. You can get a subscription to Go 24 7 for the rest of the year for just two bucks a month, pretty much, which is unreal considering you can sign up for a monthly subscription for just a buck. And so we had over 200 new subscribers on board with Go 24 7, a massive day, one of the best in the 24 7 sports network. So take advantage of that deal. And if you miss it, I'm sorry. You can subscribe for just a month, uh, for just a dollar a month. After that, going forward, so check that out. Hopefully, you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday and get to take advantage of it. Shay, it's been an uh, unbelievable run for, for us with with our new subs.
0: It's been absolutely awesome. I mean, that was Monday was probably our one of our biggest uh, day for new subscribers since uh, we started go to twenty four seven back in the day. It was awesome to see the boards popping right now, and uh, it doesn't hurt to be twelve and zero. A lot of LSU fans are are excited about this team, and and certainly recruiting. uh, And we'll touch on more of all that in uh, in podcast this week. But uh, they're inching closer. We'll see if they can get a commitment from Zach Evans, number one running back in the country this week, uh, and then finish out in the early signing period uh, with some really big names. We've got tidbits on all those guys with what we're hearing. So. Uh, really no better time uh, if you're listening to the podcast but aren't a VIP member uh, to get on board. You get go 24/7. you get all access to 24-7 sports, uh, you get the CBS all access plan. So a uh, lot of reasons to feel good uh, about jumping on in. And uh, and the water's fine, Billy. We've been having fun, and, and now we've got a, a growing family.
1: No doubt. Well, part of the family for LSU is DBU, and Grant Delpit, had one of his better games as a Tiger now that he's pretty much fully healthy. He had an interception against Texas A&M, a big confidence booster for him. And Jacoby Stevens also notched an interception. And we were talking to somebody who, who said that Ed Ogeron wanted three turnovers to win the turnover battle, plus, plus three against Texas A&M. Both Stevens and Delpit with interceptions. And for LSU to force those turnovers like they did, and they had a safety late in the game as well, that's a big confidence booster, I think, more even – to an extent more so than just dominating start to finish.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I think if you look at – we talked about Georgia being banged up. For me, when you flip it over to LSU, I'm not sure that they've been this healthy all year, most notably on defense, right? I mean, they haven't had a ton of offensive injuries, and that's been great because they've been able to continue clicking and, and be in that rhythm. But you can remember early in the season, I mean, Richard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Caleb on chase on – um, I mean, I could go through every level of the defense. Obviously, most recently, uh, Grant Delpit um, have been injured and in returned to the field, and there's no doubt that I thought that Delpit looked the closest to 100% against A&M than he had in uh, well over a month. I thought that Caleb on chase on maybe played his best game of the year uh, against A&M, and he had been banged up at different times during the season. Uh, it's evident now that Richard and Glenn and all those guys are healthy, uh, and, and playing very well, and uh, then you've got this emergence of Marcel Brooks coming off the edge uh, on third downs or in passing situations, and Mo Hampton, uh, who's probably going to be LSU's starting center fielder uh, come the spring, playing that uh, free safety spot, basically a center fielder uh, of the LSU defense, which then gives uh, you the chance to put Grant Delpit and Jacoby Stevens close to the line or in the box, uh, almost like another linebacker. Uh, And that seems to be really where they have a lot of success or at least you're tapping into how versatile they are as opposed to making one of them play the free safety spot. So I feel like the defense, yes, it is not played up to par for much of the year. That's fair to say. Um, But they're in a position right now where if everyone's healthy and you've got these kind of younger guys um, getting their feet wet and now gaining some confidence out there, uh, I think you cannot have asked for anything more uh, going into the back kind of or excuse me, going into the postseason, beginning with the SEC championship and uh, potentially moving into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, part of that, you mentioned Mo Hampton. He was not at practice on Tuesday, uh, on Monday, sorry, uh, as the media was allowed in. But I think that's more of a maintenance thing for him. He's a young guy that played a lot of snaps for LSU the last two weeks with, with it out against Arkansas and then getting a, an extended look as well back there pre-safety. When I asked Jacoby Stevens Monday night about him, he just said he just continued to develop, do all the right things. And really, I think that athleticism, that he's got that natural ability to just be on the level of of SEC defenders and and make plays athletically is, is really what's allowed him to emerge. And it couldn't come at a better time for an LSU secondary that really was looking for an answer at that free safety position.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, you summed it up well. I think that his emergence in the wake of Todd Harris being injured, and you lost Kelvin Joseph to transfer before the year, and Keenan Jones went to the portal midway through the year, and Eric Monroe's been banged up uh, at times, and Cam Lewis got some run, but uh, you just got the feeling that they wanted to find uh, something that they felt a little more secure with, and, and Hampton as a freshman has given them that. Uh, and geez, what are they playing three right now, Mister Former Mister Tennessee? Uh, football winners, a Gatorade player of the year. I think it was Mr. Tennessee. A couple of them were Gatorade player of the year. But Jacoby Stevens, obviously playing a little safety linebacker. Mo Hampton now playing safety. Uh, and then the man in the middle who leads LSU in total tackles, Jacob Phillips, uh, who's been playing well alongside Patrick Queen. So it's, it's good to see that. Um, and again, I, I just believe that does Georgia have a better defense than LSU? Sure, they've played better. I'm not sure they've played the same competition. Um, but that being said, I don't think LSU – I don't think the gap between LSU and Georgia's defense is as sizable and, and certainly noticeable as the gap between LSU and Georgia's
1: offense. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny, uh, Jacoby said – I asked him just kind of what is allowed Mohampton Hampton to emerge like this, and he goes, he's from Tennessee, he's a great athlete. So uh, I think I think Jacoby is on board with with all these guys from Tennessee making, making plays. For LSU in the secondary, we're going to preview the game a lot more in depth later in the week. But what are what are some of your early keys in this one for the Tigers?
0: Well, I think I would start out by a is one of the most evident LSU just has to do what they've done on offense. We've never seen them really go into a hole or anything like that. So I have no reason to believe that's going to happen. Joe Burrow. Already said this week, look, I, when I envision myself playing football, it's in big moments. And, and this is, um, you know, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest moments he'll have, uh, certainly. So, you know, he's going to come to play. These receivers have been great. The O-line's been phenomenal. Uh, you know what you're getting in Clyde. Uh, at this stage, we've seen what Tyron Davis-Price and uh, and John Emery can do as, as the backup running back. So, no worries on the offense. And, boy, look at the the kicking game. I mean, from... Cade York started out fast, played great against Texas, uh, but then hit that kind of lull stretch where he wasn't, you know, kind of it was evident he was losing a bit of confidence and then goes to Bama, kicks some huge field goals. And since then he's been red hot against A&M, 250-plus yarders, uh, the first kicker in LSU history to do that in one game. Um, So you know, you at least feel good uh, that your freshman kicker doesn't look like a freshman anymore and you can rely on him in a tight game or at least you get points whenever you need it. Uh, a year ago, uh, even though LSU won big, Cole Tracy was huge in that Georgia game. So I could see them needing a big game out of Cade York. Uh, defensively, though, I'll, I'll give you my key is they need to figure out a way to make Jake from Jake Fromm throw the football and, and just don't let them just sit there on clock control and, and run and grind uh, things out on you because they can run the football well. But put them into, um, you know, unwanted situations to, uh, offensively, uh, third and long or uh, or second long, whatever, you know, you can get your hands on. But make Jake Fromm get out of his comfort zone, which is the short passing game and the running game, uh, and make him go downfield on you. Make him try to have to pick up um, more than and then just easy down and distance. And if you're doing that, uh, I think LSU's is in a good spot. Um, but we'll see. That's, that's kind of my biggest key, though. If I had to pick one, make Jake Fromm throw it. And if he has to throw it 25, 30-plus times, that's perfect. That's exactly what LSU is hoping for.
1: Yeah. For me, it's going to be that defensive line for LSU. I was talking with Rashard Lawrence Monday night and he said, one, they haven't played up to their standard a lot of this season, which I think everybody knows that, but doing it against Texas A&M and to an extent against Arkansas has given them a little bit more confidence and, Also, I mean, for that first half against Alabama, just the way they dominated the line of scrimmage and and shutting down the running game of Bama, that's what they've got to do. They've got to control the line of scrimmage. This is a good, good, good Georgia offensive line, probably the best they've faced all season. So for me, the way LSU's defensive line plays is going to determine really if they're going to be able to stop Georgia. It's going to allow guys like Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen to make plays at linebacker and allow Grant Delvin, Jacoby Stevens ways to get into the backfield and make tackles for loss. So I think it starts up front. This is one of those, at least when it comes to Georgia's offense versus LSU's defense, this is one of those old-style matchups of, of, of at the SEC of old.
0: 100%. I'm with you, and, and I'll just add this, is that, and we've heard it said a, a few times, because you know as the season goes on, you play tougher and tougher teams, um, or teams kind of Certainly, we'll, we'll get their their footing and, and look more and more uh, promising. Auburn certainly showed that. Um, but, Orgeron said, this is the best O-line we're going to play, and it's probably the best D-line. Auburn's is really good, um, but I think O actually more specifically said, uh, or more broadly speaking, said this will be the best defense we've played, which is absolutely the case. So, I do think it's going to be – that's a good point. It can be one in the trenches. At least you feel good about how well LSU's O-lines played this year. But, yeah, can – can LSU's front seven and certainly their defensive line get to the quarterback and make Fromm uncomfortable, which would go in line with uh, with what I've been saying about you wanting to pass, and also hopefully he's passing under some pressure. But, boy, uh, as Orgeron said, George has got three surefire dudes who are probably going first round on the O-line at some point, and all five of them are going to play in the NFL. Uh, they don't let Fromm get you know, hit that often. He doesn't have many quarterback hurries on him. Uh, and LSU, at least early on, had trouble generating – sort of a natural pass rush without having to bring extra guys. Really interested to see what Dave Aranda's got dialed up this week because I think in some big games and certainly towards the latter part of the year, um, his in-game adjustments and his pregame kind of thoughts on on how things should play out seem to be in line with what it would take to win, and and they've delivered on it.
1: No question. Well, We'll have much more to preview on LSU Georgia in the SEC title game. We're going to talk recruiting on the next edition of the podcast, a big week. As big as we've seen this fall, maybe outside of Eric Gilbert committing to the Tigers, a big decision on tap. We're going to preview that. Zach Evans uh, deciding on Wednesday. We'll have a preview pod of that and kind of where things stand for the Tigers in recruiting. We'll cover all that on the next edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. But for Shea Dixon, I'm Billy Unbody. Thanks for listening to this edition and hope everybody continues to have a great week as LSU gets set to face George on Saturday in the SEC title game.